Michigan Soccer Central. Happy New Year's to all. This is the first episode of 2022. How's it going? My name is Robert Kerr. Your host is always here on the podcast. It does its best to shine a light on all the perspectives and action going on in the Great Lakes State. We've got a great episode as always lined up for you. Before we get going with our guest interview, I want to say shout out to Rob Brinkman of Rebels FC for hooking me up with an awesome Rebel scarf when I was out doing commentary with the Open Road Network on the holiday uh, exhibition series that was on last Wednesday in between Christmas and New Year. Had the uh, honor to uh, watch and commentate on the exhibition match, which featured awesome uh, athletes and clubs. Uh, Detroit FC, Corktown, Hawks. We're out there, Legacy FC, as well as the Rebels. Um, Lots going on in the month of December as far as uh, the women's soccer landscape. So that's why I brought on our next guest to illuminate a little bit of the United Women's Soccer League. 2021 was their first year here in Michigan. So I decided to bring on an expert to fill us more in. To learn more about the UWS and the dozen or so member clubs here located in Michigan and uh, what to look for in the new year, I'm really happy to be joined by the host of UWS Weekly and the Director of Community Engagement and Relations, Mr. Jonathan Ward. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you so much. It is very early where you are on the West Coast, I believe. A Happy New Year's. Um, what was the most surprising gift that you received the holiday season this year? Uh, so my most surprising gift, my family got me a personalized AFC uh, Richmond jersey. So that was oh. uh, that was kind of fun. I'm, I'm very big into watching Ted Lasso. So uh, to get that with my uh, my previous number and my name on it was was kind of cool. Uh, that was the uh, most surprising gift that I received, though. Yeah, so you had no idea that was coming. Uh, no idea. Normally, I normally for you know when you're 40 years old, you kind of pick your own gifts, right? So, uh, <laughs> I I did not pick a gift for myself this year. I, I loaded my kids up with uh, the Nintendo Switch and got all their their stuff for that. So, took care of the kids first for for myself. Now, oh man, that's a good dad move. Got it. Got a good have dad move with the Switch. That's right. Got to have it in the back pocket for him. <laughs> you remember? Yeah, I'm sure that'll be uh, hopefully some some leverage for you in future negotiations. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Need new golf clubs. Need new golf clubs for uh, the summer <laughs> of 2022. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, you're giving, kind of, uh, giving yourself a ticket for a, an escape. It's like, hey, kids, I'll let you uh, go off in uh, switch land and you let me go off into golf land, right? That's right. Let's... Uh... You know, there's no time. I'm I'm almost to the point where I can play on the uh, the senior tour, the championship tour, as they call it. Well, uh, I'm glad that you had a good uh, holiday season, but I brought you here to dig into the UWS United Women's Soccer. And in 2021, um, we had over a dozen teams here in Michigan participating in both uh, UWS one and WS or UWS two. Um, before we dig into the specific clubs and uh, how it was um, that we had so much UWS action in 2021, uh, can you give us just like a brief history of the league itself? 
Yeah, so the league itself, uh, ideally our job, our goal is to help advance when the soccer, there's a gap, right? So the goal of both of our leagues is to kind of give equality to women and having the opportunity to play soccer at any level that they're capable or want to participate in. So in, in time where there's several clubs um, for men's soccer, grassroots and MLS and U, USL, um, there's a huge gap between college and professional opportunities for women. So we fill that gap that's in between giving them a pro, uh, a pathway, you could say a pro pro path um, for the amateur uh, athlete. Okay. And so um, in Michigan, uh, we had, uh, I believe, uh, 11 clubs in UWS2 and five clubs in the top division. Um, how did we um, see so many kind of out of the blue? Well, I wouldn't say it's out of the blue. If you think about Michigan in general, uh, it's very soccer crazed state. Uh, you wouldn't think of it when you think of Michigan. I think you you think of football. You think of um, the opportunity for hockey, but you never really think about soccer. But soccer has it, Michigan has always been a hotbed of soccer. Um, and so this is kind of that opportunity, that time where it's been able to shine. So in 2022, we'll be having, uh, we'll have right now, as of now, we have four teams who will be playing in UWS one in that Midwest North division, followed with 11 teams that are going to be playing in UWS two in their own conference of the great lakes. One thing I wanted to know about regarding uh, UWS is how does uh, the divisioning work between, uh, the top division UWS two? So the difference between the two is is kind of an entry point, right? You have 11 teams who are playing in League Two. You have four teams who are in League One. And it's a way for those 11 clubs to kind of say, all right, hey, we're, we're, we're all in. We want to we want to advance to that next level. And then they would they would uh, reach out to the league uh, to say, hey, we're ready to uh, join UWS one. But having 11 teams in UWS League Two really provides a different um, perspective, right? You've got Corktown, you've got the Jaguars who both have UWS teams, uh, UWS League One teams. So those are participating in League Two as well. Oh, so the second division is where a lot of the second um, teams are filled. So that's just giving a more opportunity, even more players, you're saying? Correct. So if you look at how many teams we have in the state of Michigan for the UWS, we have close to 15 teams, and that could grow. It, you never know. But that gives at least a minimum of 345 athletes an opportunity to play either League One or League Two in the UWS. So it's giving them a pathway or an opportunity to showcase. It's giving them a way to um, sharpen their skill set for their next summer, for their next league, whether it's college or they go to try out um, – in Europe or for NWSL club, it really just gives them an extra, an extra season, you could say. And uh, the, the opportunities uh, couldn't be more welcome. Uh, all the UWS games I attended this summer, uh, there was a sense of elation um, behind the play um, that I didn't necessarily pick up uh, in the men's game through the summer. We were all relieved to get back to action after how miserable 2020 was. And uh, there was definite joy in the games that I went to uh, this past summer. And before we get, dig in a lot to uh, 
who all will be playing in 2022 and the, the member clubs here. Can you guys can you give us a, a wrap up of how you felt 2021 went here in Michigan, especially since it, it was uh, the, the UWS is, uh, was new to the Great Lakes State? Yeah, I mean, for 2021, it was an awesome year. It was a lot of a lot of competition, a lot of, um, I, I guess you could just say great soccer. You had Corktown, uh, who at the time before they became the Corktown Hawks this past December, they were a very good side. They played really nice soccer. Um, you know, the the leadership and and the group that runs that that program did a really good job of getting all their players, getting their players prepared and ready for the season. In the end, you know, we we had one team uh, that made it to the national championship and fell in the uh, semifinal. But, you know, the showing from that league in the Midwest North Division was extremely good. And you couldn't have asked for a better 2021, especially coming out of COVID. You didn't know what you were going to get. Uh, as my first season with the league, since I've only been with the league for about a year, it was really good to see and kind of gauge the talent throughout the country as we uh, get ready for 2022. Was there anything that uh, kind of jumped at you as a, as a surprise, a, a team or a division that was uh, stronger than you had previously expected? I mean, for me, it was the, the West coast, uh, the West conference with you know, two teams in Canada who you just didn't know what you were going to get. You had uh, some travel for uh, L.A. teams. So we have two teams that were based in L.A. at the time. And you really just didn't know what you were going to get. So when we got to the semifinal, I thought personally, like, okay, we haven't really seen much. We used to do, we do a kickoff show, kind of like a college game day every Saturday morning. And it was never on the radar, the uh, Santa Clarita Blue Heat. And when they got to Texas, uh, it was a whole different ball game. And the display of talent, the display of speed and professionalism amongst their staff, it was second to none. And and it's uh, it was nice to see that's the second championship that club has won. And it was nice because coming out of COVID, to be able to be participating in something like that, something that big, was awesome. Yeah, and the, the opportunity like you you're describing uh, teams all the way out in California, and they uh, connect the teams here um, in Michigan, and it gave that uh, the winning team an opportunity to go to a, a national tournament, and uh, they went as far as the semifinal. Where would these players have played if the UWS, uh, you know, hadn't have um, you know filled those needs? It's a good question. You know, there, there's a lot of other opportunities out there for athletes to research and find. But having the UWS, we we stand alone in our in our commitment to advancing women's soccer and giving opportunities to everyone to play to progress their opportunities uh, in the game that we all love. Uh, I had the the pleasure of uh, getting to do some play-by-play commentary on a, a holiday exhibition series that featured um, a few UWS teams, including uh, uh, Legends FC and uh, Rebels FC. And those are just two of um, a dozen plus uh, UWS sides here in Michigan. Um, could you, do you mind giving us a breakdown of what all is available? Because, I mean, just like anywhere, uh, the, the first hurdle um, with promoting uh, 
soccer here is just the, the first barrier is letting people know what is actually available and what is out there for the see, both for the players and for fans that want to see more action. Yeah, definitely. So we have, like I've been saying, we have two different leagues. We have League One, uh, which is composed of players from college, aspiring and former professionals, international stars. But then we have League Two, and League Two was geared, is geared towards your U20, U23 players. So it serves as kind of a feeder to UWS for new clubs. It's an opportunity to introduce themselves to the standards of a Pro-Am League and a launch point for a potential UWS first team. So you could say in, in ideas that UWS League 2 is more formed for our U20 to U23 stu- uh, players who just are you know graduating high school, wanting to get ready for college or wanting to get ready for whatever's ahead of them or stay sharp. And so that's kind of the difference between the two. League two in and of itself, again, it's only been, let's call it one year because 2020, 2020 was kind of a wash with, with COVID. But last year, we definitely saw a lot of talent. You saw, you know, Rebels and Legends uh, this this past tournament. And those are two League two teams, which are really good. And they're looking to improve off of last season. What um, can you expand on, on some of the other teams uh, that are playing? Because uh, we have a lot of actually, let me reformulate that question. Um, team, I saw that there, there's been a lot of movement in December and there's a lot of teams coming and a few teams have gone. And I noticed a little bit of a trend just in general with the summer league sides, both men's and women's that uh, youth Clubs that have, you know, a known footprint that have been around uh, 10, 20 years, um, looking specifically at uh, Corktown joining forces with the Hawks. Is that a national trend or is that just something that's happening here in Michigan of the youth clubs stepping up and fielding a quote unquote senior team? Because it seemed like a lot of the teams maybe four or five years ago were standalone teams and those exist now, but it seems like a, a good portion of uh the, the new expansions are pre-existing youth sides that are giving a uh, a senior side to form up on. Is that a, a local trend or is that a national trend? It's definitely a national trend. If you look at some of our, our clubs, um, they have the youth entity attached to them, whether it's Steel United or if it's Rush. Rush is a big uh, East Coast program. They're starting to come out West as well. So you're starting to see these these clubs that are implementing UWS two League Two teams, but also at the same time they're they're working on getting a UWS uh, one League One team. So they're they're working towards that, and and so across the nation that's happening because I've always felt that like uh, you were talking about earlier when we started the conversation about you know bridging the gaps and that the the the, the youth to pro or youth to adult. Um, transition is a bit fractured so uh do you think that having that uh, uh adding that senior team onto the top you know aids even more in that uh that 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 stop gap oh it really does if you think about what it what it allows soccer in, in in the united states for high school players used to when i was younger uh and at u18 and so when you hit that 18 you had a choice you're either going to continue by playing in college or you're done and so now having that that concept, you know, New Jersey Copa, um, Scorpions SC, we, East Coast teams, the Rush, 
uh, programs, Black Black Watch and uh, and Connecticut Rush. They have those youth programs. So what happens is you have these young these young athletes, these young female athletes who um, are playing, and their goal is to play the next level. Well, now they have kind of that that bridge, right, that allows them to continue to grow in the game. But they also see it because they're part of that that club. And, oh, I can, once I'm done at U18, I have an opportunity. I can go try out for the U20s or U23s, right? So it really helps develop and it, and it creates kind of a, a bigger community of sorts uh, within that club and, and gives people not an end goal, but a continued goal. And uh, I also like... The attachment, like, because there's definitely um, some powerhouse youth clubs. I mean, Michigan until very recently uh, didn't have um, a com- like a modern era, you know, pro team of any sort. But there's always been uh, for a generation plus a handful of very strong and it's very competitive youth uh, landscape here. And so it, it's really encouraging to see that the youth teams even have the ambition to, to, to make such a team because they I mean if if you look at it just from a business perspective they probably don't really have to do that do they no not necessarily and if you look at our newest edition the Michigan Jaguars they have both a league two and a league one team and the youth program um, they have the foundation of it so now players will see it Corktown with uh Corktown ASC which is now known as the Corktown Hawks have the same concept uh, by bringing the Hawks in right? The Hawks are, are a well-known entity in youth uh, soccer in Michigan. So now you've kind of got two clubs in, in Corktown and Michigan that have the, uh, have the capability to provide an opportunity for uh, women advancing in the sport. And what kind of timeline, I guess, what, what kind of a, like a future thought does the UWS have? Like, is this the position that they want to just like maintain or is there long-term goals further than we have discussed? Oh, there's definitely long, longer term goals. Uh, this past summer at our, um, we did a state of the union or state of the, the league address. And our goal is to create a, a year round program. Our goal is to have a professional side as well. And so it just takes time, it takes resources, and it takes an opportunity for us to get there. We'll hopefully, you know, in the next two years, we'll, we'll be announcing something along those lines. But in the meantime, we're, we're happy with what we're seeing in terms of growth, over 80 teams throughout the country, and more teams uh, to be announced as we get closer to uh, kickoff here uh, in May. Yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> I can't wait to get back to it. Uh, that's very cool news to hear that there are some plans or at least uh, some some initial thoughts on expanding the year beyond the, the summer season because I'm a big uh, summer ball fan and <laughs> you know you live and breathe it May, June, and July, and then it goes o- goes away and uh, it's tough. There's like the hunger for more, so uh, I'm encouraged that there there is the ambition to to stretch that season. And I know uh, and a lot of different uh, summer leagues are trying to figure out how that's even possible um, with just uh, all the caveats of where the player pools are coming from and whatnot. Um, from kind of a, a more of a national question, I know um, 
the you the UWS described as a pro am, and um, I guess what regions are there like a, a professional elements to it? I think it's in the development. If, if you look at each club is different in how it works with its players and competition wise, you get some of the most well-known individuals, you know, you got, um, up in Canada, you got Troy Flannery. Um, you've got Ludi Nevelev in California here. You've got some really high knowledgeable, um, coaches who really take it to the next level. A lot of our coaches also coach at colleges. Um, and so they come in with this mind, this, this base and this knowledge, this, this, and provide these opportunities for our female athletes, um, to really kind of learn the game at a different level. And it's actually nice because you can learn different things, right? College programs that these players may be playing with, they might learn something or see something different when they play for a different coach. And so it allows them to be, uh, to adapt or to learn in order to progress and, and create a larger, uh, we'll call it a, a toolkit or, um, skill base. Do you possibly, I know they're, they're probably with all the news of expansion and uh, club movements between leagues in December, I know it might be a bit of a preliminary ask, but could you give us a, a rundown of what all teams are here in Michigan uh, in 2022? Yeah. So right now, as it stands on January 2nd of 2022, uh, you've got the Corktown Hawks, the Michigan Jaguars, uh, Capital City 1847 and the Muskegon Risers will be participating in the League One uh, starting in May. And then for League Two, you've got 11 teams at this time with uh, the Michigan Jaguars and Corktown providing uh, more athletes for that entity. But you have AFC Plymouth, you've got FC Midland, Grand Haven Admirals, Legends FC, uh, Livonia City FC, the Michigan Stars, North Oakland SC, Rebels FC, and perhaps my favorite, because it takes me back to my youth, uh, the Thundercats SC. See, there's a quite a number of teams there that I, I need to catch up on. Um, I, I'll admit I don't really, I have not spoken with or seen any any Thundercats games or um, Plymouth, so I definitely have some things to check in on. But that's exciting that there's uh, so many teams. Uh, there's definitely, uh, come this summer, there won't be any uh, shortage of uh, soccer for people to check out here in Michigan. No, it won't. And, and what will be exciting is the, the interconference battle uh, this year. You know, you have the Midwest division, you have two, you have the Midwest conference, we'll call it. And then you have two divisions, you have the South and the North. So you're going to see a lot of action between um, teams from Indiana uh, and Chicago that are going to be participating. So it'll be nice. I think the one game, if you're going to, if you're looking for a game to get scheduled that you would want to go see anything with, you'll want to be out with and watch anything that has to do with the Michigan Jaguars and Corktown Hawks especially if the Chicago Mustang uh, contingency comes to town, that will be a, that will be a match to keep an eye on because I think you're going to see some great soccer uh, between those uh, three teams going forward. Like I said, I was uh, lucky enough to, to, to watch an exhibition, a holiday exhibition out at the legacy center midweek. And um, it was each team played three one hour scrimmages and in an unusual move, um, the Corktown Hawks actually fielded, uh, a different team for their final exhibition. And that was uh, the younger side. And um, they played against Detroit city FC's uh, women. 
And it was really exciting the 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 commitments that these girls had gone to. They were it was like the the second team or maybe how what their proposed um UWS two side would be, but they all were juniors and seniors, and almost every single one was like a D one or a D two commit. Um, the level of uh, player r- really blew me away, and the fact that these uh, young girls uh, definitely held their own. I think the scrimmage turned out to be one uh, one with the, the Detroit City women's. I was really impressed to see uh, the level, even uh, like from the the young girl girls stepping up. I, I I can't wait to see how that all plays out in the summer. Yeah, Corktown uh, had a great 2021 season. It was it was a little shorter than I think they imagined. Um, I they're they're a very good engaging club. If you think of one club on social media that is gonna is gonna promote and be a part of, uh, you know, really grow itself, I think Corktown might be one of the better clubs uh, in the country. That uh, definitely helps promote from within. But also it has that opportunity. It, it gets players who who are coming home from playing, you know, in Florida, playing in other parts of the country that come home to play for them. So it's kind of cool. That's a little bit of a shame that Detroit City uh, departed the league because there definitely seemed to be a budding rivalry between uh, them and Corktown. Uh, they had a couple back and forth games that were really exciting. It would be cool for uh, that to exist in, in some way, but there's a, a plethora of other local sides, and it would be cool to to see like a, a true um, uh, women's derby uh, form here in Michigan. And there's enough teams to where you, you think that that could really develop. And, and if these girls were maybe the Jaguars grew up playing against teams in the Hawks, maybe those uh, organic rivalries could uh, transfer over to uh, the UWS season. I think you'll see that immediately. I think uh, one of the things that you're going to notice is match day one is going to be everybody. Okay. It, it's you put your toes in the water and then by match match day two, you're, you're ready to play. You, everybody is a competition at that point and you'll have some, you'll have some heated moments. It will be interesting to see if we can, if we can get the same banter um, on social media. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I enjoy the banter and I'll help, you know, fuel the flame of that and get people excited because that just adds to the rivalry, the, the nostalgia of, of the soccer, right? What happens on the, on the pitch is one thing, but kind of the, the sounds and the noise from the stands that relates to, to a certain, you know, bulletin board material definitely adds to, to the, uh, the atmosphere of a match. Yeah, speaking of which, um, the work that you do, you are Director of Community Engagement and Relations for the UWS. Can you describe your work for us? Yeah, so as the Director of Community Engagement and Relations, my job is to you know really help promote, whether it's making sure clubs are noticed through tweets and retweets, or even just putting stuff out there for the league. Uh, I work a lot with trying to get nonprofit organizations um, involved with certain clubs or with the league. And we're, we're continuously trying to find ways to bring club communities together um, in, in a goal of just growing and developing opportunities for, for athletes. Um, tell us about your show. I introduced you as the host of UWS Weekly. Uh, tell us more about that, too. So, yeah, you know, during COVID, one of the great things that I was able to do is, as, as a teacher, I was able to find uh, another another avenue of of work or fun 
And so a friend of mine and I were working on a show. It was called Our Cup of Tea. And the main idea of Our Cup of Tea was to promote women's soccer. We were talking about everything from leagues in, in Europe to Australia to NWSL, weekly news and, and, and notes. And I was doing some research and found UWS. Um, didn't have a show. They didn't have, uh, have that opportunity. And I reached out to uh, Joe and Stephanie said, hey, I want to do a show for you guys. I want to do a weekly show where we build the community, we build the teams, we, we talk about the teams and, and the players and the coaches and, and kind of the things they're doing on and off the pitch. And so they, they gave me an opportunity to uh, do, do a show. And here we are a year and a half later, and we've done over, gosh, our cup of tea and the kickoff show and UWS Weekly. We've done close to 75 to 80 shows uh, in that time, and it just keeps going. It's been fun. That's awesome. So what initially brought you, like what, what brought you into the women's soccer world in general? So I was coaching, I was the assistant varsity coach at a school in Richmond, California, uh, when I lived in the Bay Area. And I was coaching and all of a sudden I, I looked over my shoulder, the girls were practicing at the same time as us. And I just heard the coach berating the, the girls. Um, they had just lost a match and, and he was just going off on them um, disrespectfully. And I walked over, I patted him on the shoulder. I said, just walk away. You just need just let him be, walk away. You're not getting anywhere with your conversation. Well, he quit. He quit at that moment. He said, fine, then you do it. And I just looked at, <laughs> I looked at my coach on the other side and shrugged my shoulders. He, he said, uh, coach Colosseum said, go for it, do it. And so, um, that was for the other team that you were playing. No, no, no. So I was, I was the men's varsity assistant. Um, and this was the varsity girls who were, were getting, you know, berated by their former coach. So I walked over and I, I explained to him, Hey, walk away. And I, he quit right on the spot said, then you do it. So I looked over and my, uh, my, my varsity coach said, do it. So we did it. I did it. We, we did the best we could that season. And the reason I, I stuck with it was because of the skill level and the learning. They are very skilled. They want to learn. Um, these, these athletes listened to everything. We would scrimmage the boys and, and give them a match. They played hard. And at that point, I realized that I wanted to continue coaching uh, or being a part of women's soccer. This is 2011. Um, and I, I coached for about two more years. And my wife and I, we moved. And I ended up moving into another school where I became a, I was a junior high teacher. So there was no soccer there. And um, yeah, I, I just stayed committed to learning more, being a sponge, becoming a, a better coach, even though I wasn't coaching. And then I moved to a different school, became an assistant, you know, varsity coach under some great uh, instruction and, and great leader. And she's, you know, given me a toolbox and, and some skills that I will uh, continue to use as long as I'm coaching. Now I have a daughter, so I want to provide her as much opportunity and show that there's also resources and avenues for her to continue to grow in the game. She's four. She'll understand later. But, you know, having that opportunity um, is, is something else. And, and it's funny, you know, people will always say, well, why, why men, why women, not men. And I, and I just say, they, why don't they deserve the same opportunities? 
Do you think that um, what you were saying as far as the the, the beratement of uh, the players on that 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 moment you described where you first took the reins of uh, a women's team is that sort of treatment? Have you seen that a lot? Because there, I mean, twenty twenty one, while there was many triumphs uh, across the board, there was a number of scandals and people had to to leave the game due to uh, misbehavior or uh, allegations. Um, is that something that is widespread or um, it, there, there's a lot of different allegations. So it's kind of hard to put a pin on exactly what it is, but I guess as far as you were you were talking about uh, the beratement of the players, is that something that like men's coaches like lash out more or do the women's players need different uh, input from their coaches um, how can you describe that situation? You know, for me, I, I, I don't want to speak too much about what other people's philosophies are, but mine's definitely from the, the empathy standpoint of just making sure that they're feel comfortable, right? Feel comfortable, but also give them a, a skill set. I've seen matches where coaches have gone off on players individually. I've seen matches where they've, they've been really rude and disrespectful to the centers or to the lines. And so it's just, I think it's a case by case in, in some aspects, but for me personally, it's a matter of, you know, taking note, making sure that I'm, I'm conducting and, you know, showing myself to be a, a, a good person um, because your players feed off that and your community feeds off that. So if you're not representing your, yourself in your club or your school um, to the highest standard, then, you know you probably should be thinking about something else other than soccer or coaching. Yeah. Agreed. And it's a tough topic to tackle because the allegations are kind of uh, broad in one case to the next, but um, this is a little bit philosophical, but do you think that these situations as far as miss miss uh, treatment of players, and there's definitely like a power structure to it because you know, the women's professional setup or just structure in general is a little bit newer do you think that these are maybe issues that were similarly placed on the men like decades ago when they had a little less power in the, the in the dynamic of it all? Absolutely. Uh, I think for some of these individuals who are coming into coaching, it's something that they they've been around. Right. It's it's the culture, the environment that they grew up in. And they think that that's the establishment that you have to have. Well, those toxic individuals have now come into the women's side because the men's side has passed them by. And so they think they can come in with their with their attitudes or their philosophies from the old days and put it on the women's game. And there's just no no place for that because, look, it's all about equality. It's all about opportunity. And in the end, we have to uh, we have to work hard for our game to grow, because if it's not going to if it's uh, going to be it's up to me kind of philosophy. Yeah, it seems a, a, a tough balance. I mean, like with anything in life, you know, balance is key. And then in coaching, there's a fine line between expect or having high standards and then being a bully. Like, is that like a lifelong pursuit to find that balance? I think it's in many, it's innate. It's already there. It's ingrained in you. And yes, you. no matter how many self-help books you read, I think for... A, a club to be great or an organization to be great, it's culture, it's your community. It's, you know, on the wall, you have 
you know, little sayings, whether it's like Ted Lasso, believe, but you really have a structure, you have a mission, you have a culture that you've, you've grown to the big, to the best of your ability to be a professional, whether you're a pro-am club, a college club, a club, a youth club, um, your goal is to be or to create the best culture and environment for your athletes. 2021, uh, we spoke some of the difficulties, but can you describe um, what your favorite, best, or most memorable moment of 2021 uh, UWS action was? I think it was the being a part of the national championship, the road to Round Rock. You know, the summer was my birthday weekend um, in July, and we went out to Austin, Texas, where my goodness, the heat, you could not beat the heat. It was a whole different game for this California kid. But to get out there and, and watch some great soccer, San Antonio Athenians, um, the Connecticut Fusion, the Santa Clarita Blue Heat, and Midwest United participating in a true, an actual national championship, not a national championship where, or a conference championship or region championship. It was a national championship where it brought the best teams from UWS for 2021 together. And to watch the skill and speed of the uh, Santa Clarita Blue Heat, I think that was the coolest thing. They had uh, the Thompson sisters who are high school athletes um, just come in and their speed, their, their ability to score – and that whole organization uh, in general was just an awesome, awesome thing to be around and be a part of for, for a whole weekend. What was the best goal that you saw? Can you pick one out? Oh, uh, from that weekend? Or at all throughout the season? I think it has to go to that weekend with uh, Lena Solano. Um, she got a, a chip and she put it over and just volleyed it. And it was just one of those things where you, where you look at it like, oh my goodness. And I was doing the the uh, TV side of it, and I was in shock when she hit it. I, I was stuttering. I was amazed by just the the skill, but also the knowledge to, okay, I have this much time. And, and she it was a split-second reaction and, and just a golazo. Yeah, it took your breath away, huh? It did. It did. It was amazing. It was an amazing piece of skill and an even more uh, amazing golazo. I love uh, getting surprised by things like that. And then just the, what you were talking about, just seeing the level um, that, you know, it's easier to access, you know, the professionals pop on the TV and, you know, you know, they're going to be great. But when you see some players from your neighborhood or ones that are still aspire to hit higher heights, that they are capable of, you know, taking your breath away, that, that that's an awesome feeling. Absolutely. And, and it's one of those things where it's, it's ingrained and etched into your head as you get older. And it's something that you always remember. I was there when that happened. I have a little bit of an anecdotal question with you saying a lot of the teams, uh, a lot of them are for the, the players coming home, whether it be a college or whatnot. So this might be a, a little anecdotal test. Like, so if everyone's coming home, do you think that if you kind of look at UWS, um, kind of, uh, from a national perspective, do you think that, uh, it kind of shows where the talent hotbeds are shows like, you know, uh, it sounds like the, obviously Texas area, California area, sounds like there's some East coast teams and then now Michigan are popping up. 
do you think that like uh, legitimately, I mean, you're on a Michigan show, so I, I don't want you to pander too much, but do you think that Michigan is amongst those like, you know, soccer hotbeds? I mean, it has the, it has the most teams for a state in 15 and you're seeing talent. You're, you're seeing good, um, good. I don't want to say leveling, but you see definitely within the standings, you see kind of this, uh, everybody's at the same level there are some that stand out more there definitely um but in all you're you're really seeing uh michigan as a hotbed you would never think of it right i i grew up here in california and we would always play teams in in texas we'd play teams from new jersey or teams from california but as i've i've started to do more research and pay more attention michigan definitely has uh the same and same abilities uh of talents same hotbeds as uh, those states of California, Texas, and, and clubs on the East Coast. So you're saying Michigan has the most teams out of any state? Has the most teams out of any state, yes. Wow, wow. Uh, so do you think that's um, due to the plethora of players or like the entrepreneurial spirit of uh, the game here in the state? Possibly both. You know, I would say it's because of more players. Again, with those 15 teams, you're, you're giving 354 athletes or 45 athletes, an opportunity. And that's just in Michigan alone. So if you look at other other states, yeah, they probably have, they probably carry, and that's if each team's carrying 23 on a roster, by the way, which, you know, you, you will see during the summer because commitments, right? Other other players, oh, I got to I gotta do this trip or I got to go here or I'm, I got to go back to college early uh, to get ready for the season. So you're seeing a lot of opportunity. California, you know, we've got, we've got a few clubs Texas has has close to the same amount, but in terms of just your total ability, I think te- uh, I think Michigan um, definitely has a has an up on everybody else. Awesome. Um, with twenty one in our rearview mirror, um, what do you hope to see in twenty twenty two? The same. I want to see. I want to see the the passion. I want to see some of these female coaches who have come into uh, the league. Um, you know, Brooke Barreto for AC Syracuse Pulse. Um, I want to see these clubs start to, you know, take that next step. I'd love to see Corktown Hawks or Michigan Jaguars at the national championship in July. I'd love to see uh, Michigan Stars and. Grand Haven Admirals really take a next step in in their their growth as a as a team going forward in League Two. So this is uh, this is the summer of soccer 2022, and we're really going to see uh, see some clubs uh, take off. I hope, and and that's the the goal. Uh, anytime you you are a soccer fan, you want to see your club, you want to see your team uh, take that next step. Uh, before we go uh, each our own ways, can you uh, let everyone know that's listening uh, where to find uh, all of your uh, content? Yeah, so you could go to uh, most people will will see on Twitter, uh, UWS at UWS Soccer on Twitter. But if you were to go to YouTube, you go to UWS Soccer on YouTube. You'll see uh, you'll see all the past videos that we've done for clubs. We've uh, we've definitely been been going that route, but uh, at UWS underscore weekly for the show on Twitter, at UWS soccer uh, for the league on Twitter. Uh, 
would be the places to uh, find out more about UWS and what we uh, what we're looking forward to for the summer of soccer in 2022. Well, Mr. Jonathan Ward, thank you for waking up like crazy early uh, California time to do this uh, um, podcast. I really appreciate it. I don't suppose you're also going to go outside and shovel the driveway after this, are you? No, in fact, it's uh, the sun's starting to come out, and it might be it might be a golf day. It might be a golf day. <laughs> well, enjoy your golf day. Thank you so much for your time, and thank hey, you for joining thank you for Michigan having Soccer me. Central Podcast. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Special thanks to my guest this week, Mr. Jonathan Moore, for giving us the insight and details on the UWS and uh, the women's soccer landscape here in the Great Lakes State. Really cool to get some details on what's here, as well as an overview of the, uh, the scope of that National League. I want to remind you guys, there's lots of good podcasts. If you enjoyed this week's episode, Go back into the uh, feed there on your favorite music player. Uh, Most of our listens are coming from Spotify, so make sure to check out that Spotify feed. Last week's episode featured a live recording at the Boxing Day Watch Party. That's good fun, as well as a myriad of awesome guests spanning all the way back until May last year. I also wanted to throw my nomination for Team of the Week out there as well. Legacy, uh, Legends FC rather, uh, their women's team did really, really well uh, at that Wednesday exhibition series. So I had eyeballs on them and I was very impressed. They had some really great attack and just overall really great cohesion. And uh, they definitely were top, top players. If you want to send in a question and get some Michigan Soccer Central questions going, send an email or send a DM to any of the Michigan Soccer Central accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that. And then until next week, I really hope that everybody stays safe, takes care of themselves, and uh, before I go, i got to say thanks to all the guests that we've had on the show so far. Thank you to Jenny for editing, as always, and to the network of soccer brains and knowledge at Michigan Soccer Central. Thank you. And in listener, until next week, stay safe and enjoy your soccer.